Thank you for that music and those songs. It is always a wonderful thing for my wife and I to be here and visit with you. You're so encouraging. But I must admit to you that when I first started pastoring years and years ago, I got two pieces of advice. The first piece of advice was that whenever you go on vacation or have someone fill the pulpit when you're gone, find someone that's just terrible and awful (laughs) so that when they finish, the people will say, boy, we can hardly wait until our pastor gets back. So I admit to mixed emotions being here this morning and sharing with you. The second piece of advice I I got was from a deacon, and it was at a conference, and the deacon told this story, and he said, try to always remember this when you speak. Uh, The story goes like this. There were two guys that got into a hot air balloon, and in the hot air balloon they float off, and as they are floating away, the wind comes up and blows them off track, so they don't know where they are. And as they are floating... They float past this building, and a guy comes to the window and looks at them. And so they're thinking, okay, here's our chance. And the two, one guy looks in at the guy in the window, and he says, hey, where are we? And the guy in the window says, you're in a hot air balloon. <laughs> the wind comes and blows them away. And as they are floating, the two guys in the hot air balloon begin to converse, and they say one to the other, he says, um, what job do you think that guy has? And one guy said, well, I think he's a pastor. And the guy said, well, why do you think he's a pastor? And he said, well, because what he said was absolutely right, but didn't make one bit of difference. And the reason I share that with you is because last week we talked about your ambition is finally realized and your approach is appropriate in Psalm 84. And then you get to this point where you say, well, what difference does it make? This talk about the presence of God, what difference does that make? It is wonderful to hear and wonderful to say, but what difference does it make? Well, I'm hopeful that as we look today and as you decide to engage in him and to surround yourself with not just this idea of God, but an understanding of his presence with you always, that you're able to see three advantages to being in the presence of God. Three advantages to being in the presence of God. The first advantage is that the presence of God is a place of prayer And we see that in verses 8 and 9. The presence of God is a place of prayer, verses 8 and 9. Verse 8, O Lord Lord God of hosts, hear my prayer. Give ear, O God of Jacob. Behold our shield, O God. Look on the face of your anointed. Hear, give ear. It is this idea that I am in the presence of God and I can ask him to give me his attention. That I can ask him things because I am in his presence. The prayer of the pilgrim, once he has arrived in God's presence, is then to talk with him, to converse with him, and to make it a part of his life. It is someone that he has in his life now, so that as things begin to maybe not be so great, he can talk to that person to make things better. It is a great advantage to be able to talk to God. Jesus needed it. Think about Jesus, the stress that he must have been under, the stress that there was a plot to kill him, the stress that he was the the one that was going to go to the cross and die an agonizing death, the stress and the pressure that was upon him. And if you have your Bibles, you can look in in Mark chapter 14. 
And in Mark chapter 14, it's Jesus' way of talking to the Father. And if you notice in verse 36, it says, Abba, Father. Abba, Father. And he says, everything is possible with you. Not my will, but thine be done. And he talks to God in this way. He is intimate. He is personal. He is almost using that term daddy because he is so familiar with God. They are so well acquainted and understanding. There's no disrespect. It is all about intimacy. And Jesus has this intimate relationship with his father. And when the stress is building and the pressure is great, he goes to him in prayer. One of the advantages of being in the presence of God is being able to pray. Uh, my world is students. We've talked about this before. It's students, teachers, parents. Uh, students, of course, have this great pressure for them. Sometimes their prayers are, bless me, be with me, help me get an A on the test. That's about it, right? We want more than that in our prayers. We want a more depth in our prayer of understanding. Uh, someone introduced to me this idea of acts when I pray. Acts, A, adoration. I come to God adoring him. C, confession. I confess to him the things that are in my heart that are standing in the way of our relationship. T, thanksgiving. I thank God for what he's done for me. S, supplication. I, I make my requests. It is not something that is, is, is complex, but I am adoring, confessing, thanking, and then sharing my requests with God. Just a, a way of making my prayer something more meaningful, something more in, in depth in terms of the relationship that I'm experiencing. And I want to know him because of his presence. I pray with great expectations, don't I? Uh, when I pray, I'm expecting God to do something. That's why I'm going to him. Uh, I always think of, ex whenever I think of expectation, I think of my, my dog. We used to have a, a West Highland Terrier that sat at my feet whenever we ate dinner. And you know why she sat there? Because she was expecting something to come off my plate to her. And that look, that fixed position, that's how it is with us in God's presence. We are fixed on his presence and his understanding that we are with him. He is there. We are his. Uh, stress is a reality for students. Uh, our students, uh, we are uh, pushing a college prep academy kind of mentality. And so students stress about grades. Uh, they stress about what college to go to. Seniors are on edge wondering, am I going to get in? Am I making the right choice? Which one should I send the application to? All of those kinds of things. It is a stressful time. Stress, stress levels at our school rise around homecoming because they begin to ask people to go to the dance with them. And there is this stress. You know, then you are there chaperoning, and you see the stress level go off the charts when a girl walks in with the same dress another girl has on. <laughs> stress is a reality for students. Stress is a reality for teachers. Uh, one time I remember I had to get something at Staples, and I was at Staples, and I was trying to find... Uh, one of those little plug-in USB things. I'm not a big tech guy. Sorry about that. And I remember being stressed about some other things that were happening at school. And there was this little girl that came walking around and she had a sucker that was as big as her head. And she looked on it and then she'd go, at me. And I'm just trying to find a USB. 
I don't know where her mom was, but she would disappear for just a moment, and then she'd come back around and she'd growl at me again. This happened about three times, and I'd had about all that I could take because I couldn't find this USB. So she came around and go and growled, so I growled back at her. <laughs> Stress, probably not the best way to react. Uh, the pressure as parents. We love our children. We love our kids. But sometimes there is stress because they don't do what we think they ought to be doing. And maybe they're not even doing what God thinks they should be doing. And we can't be there with them all the time. And we can't be there by their side. And so what do we do? We're in the presence of God. We have the privilege and the advantage of prayer. And so we pray to Him and ask Him to help us in these situations. The stress is real. Pressures are great. Uh, do you stress? Do you feel burdens? Uh, the psalmist says, O Lord of hosts, hear my prayer. Give ear, O God of Jacob. Uh, I, I love that he uses Jacob because Jacob is the supplanter, right? Jacob is the one that deceived his father, deceived Esau, and God still finds a way to include him into this covenant. So God is an inclusive God that says, you're here, let's talk, let's get through this. In the presence of God, we, we find relief from our stress. Some of you are saying, well, you know, I don't know about this. Then wrestle with God like Jacob did. Why don't you do that? Take time to wrestle with God. You remember that? Remember when Jacob wrestled with God? He was having a problem. He was having a misunderstanding in Genesis 23. When Jacob finally admitted who he was to God, that's when things got better. When God touched his hip, remember, and he had the limp for the rest of his life, he was reminded to be dependent upon God. Because sometimes in prayer, what we forget is it's about God's plan, not my plan. Jacob would forever remember that he is dependent upon what God can do. It is not going to God and saying, hey, Get the rubber stamp out. Here's what I'd like. Just rubber stamp it. That's not what prayer is. Our stress is relieved. Our pressure is lessened when we go into the presence of God willing to take what it is that He has for us because He is the Lord of hosts. He is the God of Jacob, the covenant-keeping God. Wrestling, understanding who God is. Jesus, our first example Jesus prayed, not my will. As a result of Jesus praying and yielding to God's will, the greatest act in all of history, the cross, happened. Yielding ourselves to what it is that God wants for us. To whom are you praying this morning? To whom are you talking with when life becomes so heavy? We are in the presence of God. We have the advantage of talking to Him. There's an old song that goes like this, I once was lost in sin, but Jesus took me in, and then a little light from heaven filled my soul. It bathed my heart in love, and it wrote my name above, and just a little talk with Jesus made me whole. This morning we have the advantage when we are in the presence of God, to have prayer. The second advantage is in verses 10 and 11. The second advantage 
is the presence of God is a place of provision. A place of provision. In verse 10 it says, For a day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of wickedness. For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. Uh, the, 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 the psalmist writes this and he says it is a place of provision. The first thing he provides is contentment. He provides contentment. You see this, he's saying better than. Time and space description of being with God. Better than. Being with you is better than. To be in the presence of God is better than. And what it does is it brings this contentment. Uh, he, the psalmist, is feeling his love and is rejoicing in the person of who God is. And he is surveying the provisions that God has and discovers contentment. And the contentment is evidenced in what he says. Uh, he says, for a day in your court is better than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of wickedness. One day, versus 10,000. Being in the door, versus being in the tents. He is saying that there is a contentment because of what God does. I would rather. He has made a choice, hasn't he? There is something more that he possibly could have done to be in another position or another place, but he is content with what he has decided because God is there. And God is providing contentment. He is satisfied to be a doorkeeper. He is satisfied to be in that place. You see, it's all about quality, isn't it? It's all about quality, not quantity. One day versus thousands. Quality, not quantity. The doorkeeper versus tents. Quality versus quantity. The quality of what it is to be in the presence of God. Uh, I, I sometimes have to remind students, I say to them, you know, it is better to have uh, the words of God, which might be few, thou good and faithful servant, as opposed to the multiple comments of some of the you don't have these in West Liberty. They're only in Cincinnati. Knuckleheads who say things over and over, right? I'm always puzzled by that because there, is, there are some things that are so obvious, but yet God simply states it, but then multiple friends say it repeatedly and they find themselves caught up in that. And, and the psalmist here is saying, you know what, I'm content in the house of the Lord. I am content in the presence of God. He has provided contentment for me. I will stand at the door. It's not about status. Instead, it's about contentment, being in the presence of God. Understanding and saying, you know what, this is what God has for me, and I'm happy with it. Uh, last night, we almost didn't have my manuscript for today. I went to uh, the school because uh, the way my process works, you know, I will read, I will write, and I will edit, and then I type it all into my computer, and then I take it to my school, and I print it out. I, I don't print at home, I print at school. And so I went there last night, and we have this verification system on our, print, on our um, computers, and sometimes it pops randomly and says, change your password. 
So that's what I did. I changed my password. And then when I tried to log into my computer, they denied my password. I thought, well, maybe I typed it in wrong. I typed it again. Denied. Typed it a third time, except I typed the old one. Tried it again. Denied. So I'm sitting there, and I have no access to my computer. I have no access to my manuscript. And I'm thinking, what now? (laughs) And remember, I'm not the computer person. And it hit me. I'll call Chris. I'll call Chris. He's our computer guy at our school. Uh, I call, and there's a voicemail. And I know Chris. Chris has done a number of jobs in our school, taking care of me before. And I call Chris. I leave a voicemail. And the message says, we'll get back to you as soon as we can. So I leave my name, my number, voicemail. And then I looked at my computer, and I was thinking, Chris is coming. Chris is going to take care of this, because he's the expert. Well, I have to confess to you, I fell asleep in my chair waiting for Chris. (laughs) Because I knew he had it. I was so content. Once in crisis, I know some of you are thinking, too bad he came, right? Because I got the manuscript. Uh, But... I was in crisis, like, what am I going to do? I call Chris, I leave a message. I fell asleep in my chair because I was content with letting him take care of it. Now that's nothing to credit me. It's all credit to Chris because he's the man. And sometimes that's what we forget with God. God has provided for us a mission and a place and a purpose. And we should be content with that. Uh, not lazy, not unambitious, not striving, none of that, but content with where I am and doing the very best that I can where I am because I know God has provided this for me. A contentment that is real, a contentment in the presence of God. God provides contentment. St. Augustine said this, Thou hast made us for thyself, O Lord, and our heart is restless until it finds its rest in thee. Many of you are wrestling this morning because you have not found the contentment of his presence in your life. The psalmist tells us this is where it is. This is where we find it, in the presence of God. He has a place of provision and provides contentment. It's like what was written in Psalm 73. Remember Asaph? In Psalm 73, Asaph went into the temple and he said to the Lord, he says, I don't get it. The wicked are are succeeding, the the wicked are thriving, and I am serving you faithfully, and I have nothing. They have everything. And remember, it wasn't until he reached the conclusion and he said, uh, that's right, I get to be in heaven with you someday. And his heart was content and no longer envious of those around him. He was content to be his fathers. The presence of God is a place of provision and it provides contentment. The second thing that you will notice, it also provides comfort. Look at verse 11. The place of the presence of God provides comfort. Verse 11 says, for the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. He says, God is a sun, light, warmth, energy, 
God is a son. Only here in scriptures do we hear or use that phrase. The psalmist is the only one that ever uses it. And, and the sun is this unapproachable light. But yet, if we get too far away from the sun, we freeze. If we get too close to the sun, we may burn. So we find that perfect medium to be in the presence of God and to enjoy what it is to be with Him as He is the sun casting His uh, sense upon us. And he is a shield of protection. With God, you are not left uncomforted. He is the sun and the shield. He is the provider of these things. Spurgeon said this, He is the sun above, the shield around. Blessed are those who travel with such a convoy. Uh, The sun and the shield. God is a shield. He is protecting those who come to Him. He is protecting those and rendering them inaccessible to their enemies as they find a place of comfort. There is a sun for the happy days. There is a shield for the rainy days. God is all that we need. God is the one that brings comfort to us as we find ourselves in His presence. Now let's be careful here. We are not trying to teach that there is a life of ease. That's not what we're teaching we're not teaching that, that you come to God and everything is easier. That's not what it's saying here. Uh, God did not come into the world in the person of his son to make life easier for you. Uh, he came to give comfort when life is not so easy. Because we still live in a broken and fallen world. And so he provides a way for us to handle that. For, for students, when you fail a test or when you come up short on something you have the comfort of knowing that the tough times God is your sun and your shield when you're coming off the bench in your sport when you aren't playing as much as you thought uh, God is your sun and your shield in verse 11 he also says the Lord bestows favor and honor the Lord bestows favor and honor Both of these things, God has an infinite supply. And both of these things is what we crave, isn't it? We crave favor. That's the grace of God. Uh, We crave that. We want that. We want people to be gracious to us. And God says, I'll be gracious to you. And honor. God glorifies us. He puts us on display. When we serve Him, when we do what He wants us to do, He glorifies us. He puts us on display. Not in a selfish way, but in an honoring Him way. In verse 10 it says, No good thing does He withhold for those who walk uprightly. Please note what God says. It is that what God will withhold is not nothing, but no good thing. You see the difference there? I have students, when uh, we do a a section on the Middle Ages, I have them write a name paper. And the name paper, because during the Middle Ages, you started to have a second name. You know, like, for example, you you became known as William the Shoemaker, and Shoemaker became your last name, kind of. So anyway, and in the paper, I tell them to tell us what their name means, tell them to ask their parents why they were named that, Uh, Third is, do you want to keep your name? 
And fourth, if you don't want to keep your name, what would you change your name to? Well, uh, have you seen these things called an Alexa? I think it's Amazon or somebody has it where you say Alexa. You know what I'm talking about? Well, this little girl, she writes and she says, my name is Alexa. She says, my parents named me that because they liked it. And she said, I want to change my name because now everyone says to me, hey, Alexa, what will you do for me? Hey, Alexa. I saw a message, someone sent me a video clip of a pastor preaching a sermon and he was comparing God to his Alexa. That's wrong. See, that's one of our problems. We have become so accustomed to speaking something and then it comes. Amazon.com, they show up the next day, right? And sometimes that's how we treat God. God, I'm clicking my order, shipping now. That's not the way God is. The way God is, is he is giving and taking and doing what is good for you. And he knows you better than anyone. Romans 8, verse 32, it says, What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. God says no. God says wait. God says yes. When we are talking to him, when we are comforted by him, it comes as a result of his omnipotence, his omniscience, his mercy, his love. That's how he, he brings things to us. If you are experiencing something, God is good. Don't forget that. You say, well, I don't like it. God is good. God is good. So that means that he is not withholding what is good for you. Instead, he is allowing it to refine you, to make you what he wants you to be. Comfort, comfort comes in the presence of God. It is a place of provision. Psalm 23, another example of this. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. The shepherd knows exactly what the sheep needs. The shepherd knows exactly what it is that the, the, the sheep need to experience. The Lord is my shepherd. Notice what he says in Psalm 84 when we go back there. He says, No good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. Uh, this is nothing arbitrary. God is not our arbitrary in how he does things. In Psalm 81, verse 10, it says, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt. And what did the Israelites do? They complained. And what did God do? He fed them. He took care of them. You see, it's all about following what God wants. He says, walk in truth, walk in holiness, and we'll be heirs of all things. Experience what it is that God has for us. Obedience to Him. Those who desire... And obey God. They are the ones that are walking uprightly. They are the blessed ones. 
this morning as we consider what it is to be in the presence of God, we have to understand in his presence is obedience. And with that obedience comes comfort. The presence of God. When we are in the presence of God, we have three advantages. The first advantage is it's a place of prayer. The second advantage is that it's a place of provision, contentment, comfort. The third advantage in the presence of God, it is a place of pleasure. Notice what it says in verse 12. O Lord of hosts, blessed is the one who trusts in you. Blessed is the Lord. The psalmist has used that a couple times. If you're in Psalm 84, look at verse 4. Blessed are those who dwell in your house, ever singing your praise. Verse 5, blessed are those whose strength is in you, in whose heart are the highways to Zion. And then verse 12, O Lord of hosts, blessed is the one who trusts in you. Are we getting the picture? There is a place of great happiness and joy when God is there. It is a place of pleasure. He says, the one who trusts. Whether you are a resident or a pilgrim, whatever it is, you're blessed. You are entitled to the pleasures that are there. We don't need to travel all the way to Jerusalem to experience these pleasures. It's here in the presence of God. Henry Francis Light wrote this, Pleasant are your courts above, in the land of light and love. Pleasant are your courts below, in this land of sin and woe. My spirit longs and faints for the converse of your saints, for brightness of your face, for your fullness, God of grace. Do you trust in God this morning? Do you trust that God is working? O Lord of hosts, blessed is the one who trusts in you. It's not about entitlement. We don't deserve anything. It's not about apathy. There is this sense of energy when you read Psalm 84. It's not about compiling wealth. We've already talked about that. We find our contentment in what God does. It's not about time management. We all have the same amount of time. Uh, What it is is about trusting. It's about leaning and pursuing in the presence of God, being his. Someone said this, a man must know the Lord by the life of a real faith, or you can have no true rejoicing in the Lord's worship, his house, his son, or his ways. Trust each day so that when the storms hit, you can trust in what God does. We, we, we trust a lot of times in a lot of different ways. We trust our car to start. We trust our car to stop. We trust our car to get us to where we're going. We trust in things all the time. So trust is nothing new to any of us. The point is, in whom are you placing your trust? In whom are you placing your trust? Uh, There is this hope this morning that you are trusting in God. That you are trusting in what he does. Uh, This morning you can get into the presence of God through his son Jesus Christ. It is the Son of God who leads us into his presence. Uh, We have talked about these verses and you know them so well. John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes unto the Father but by me. 
Romans chapter 5, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. We come into the presence of God through His Son, Jesus Christ. This morning, do you know Him? This morning, are you in the presence of God because of His Son, Jesus Christ? My first teaching experience, I taught 7th grade Christian studies and 8th grade U.S. history. I noticed that there was one student that was missing for several days in a row, and finally I got a visit from the guidance people, the guidance office who do the scheduling. And a 7th grade girl who had been missing for about three days the guidance person came to me and said, um, she dropped your class because she's so afraid of you. At the time, I had a beard, and maybe I was a little scarier with a beard. I don't know. Uh, My wife always says I need to smile more. Uh, To me, I think I just look creepy the more I smile. But anyway, I had this terrifying effect upon this student. Well, that became like a theme. And I'm thinking, I, I, how am I going to get through my school year? Do I shave my body? or I mean, what's the key here? Well, things changed when my son, who was in the same school, did the morning announcements. They had a little radio station, and they'd play some Christian songs, and then they'd make some announcements and do some things. And my son ended one of his broadcasts by saying, My dad's really funny, but looks aren't everything. The kids cracked up, and they started making the connection, well, that's Josh Baker's dad. He can't be all that bad, can he? Josh is funny. Josh is hilarious. His dad can't be that scary, can he? And it changed my teaching experience and helped me immeasurably, as you can imagine. Uh, This morning, may I introduce you to Jesus, the Son of God, who will take you into the presence of this fearsome person, But when you get into that presence, you will find that it's a place of great advantage because you're able to pray. You have contentment. You have comfort. And you have pleasure because you're in the presence of God. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for who you are. We do not want to minimize you at all. We want to exalt you and praise you. But we want to come into your presence and we know it is a fearsome thing because of how awesome you are. And so Lord, may we trust your son and what he can do in ushering us into your presence. Help us this morning to rely upon him and to trust his name. And we'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.